the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your other host, Peter. Today, uh, me and Peter thought it would be kind of cool because we just had an interview last week with the awesome Australian soul singer James Fox Higgins, whose album came out last Friday, and you guys should totally go snag. We thought it would be cool to talk about some more current independent funk and soul artists here in these United States. In doing some research, we came across this record label called Daptone Records, located in Brooklyn, New York. And I found this little quote off the website that I thought was like a perfect description of their label and their artists. They said on their website, quote, Daptone Records is that little indie label that could, would, and certainly should. It continues to bring you the tastiest, most delectable nuggets of soul, funk, gospel, and Afrobeat to be found on a vinyl platter. Armed with recipes culled from a former life as Desco Records, we at Daptone earnestly strive to serve only the finest music analog tape can offer. That was a very delicious description of a record label. Right? I've never heard that before. I'm kind of hungry now for funk nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should recommend a new recipe to McDonald's that combines the secret... No, secret... McDonald's, McDonald's doesn't deserve funk nuggets. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, oh, here, we'll, we'll give it to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles so they can have, like... There you go. Uh, nuggets... Yeah. And they can call them funk nuggets. <laughs> what? Okay, how about this? How about so it's a mix of chicken nuggets, but also waffle fries. Ew! In the nuggets? It's like a big basket of chicken nuggets and oh, 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 oh. waffle kind of fries. It'd be cool if it was chicken nuggets, but they use the same breading that they use on the regular chicken, kind of. But it's more like it's not really crunchy. So it's like fried chicken nuggets. Yeah, it's like fr- exactly. It's fried chicken nuggets. <laughs> So oh my god! It's, it's it's not so much crunchy. It's got that awesome fried chicken skin taste. So actually, maybe we shouldn't give this to Roscoe's. Maybe we should just go incorporate ourselves into Peter and Kyle's house. Peter and, Peter and Kyle's funk nuggets taste our nuggets. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> getting getting slightly back on topic. One thing that I found interesting about Daptone Records is that, as it said in their quote, they are what's called an analog studio, meaning that they don't use copious amounts of like digital equipment and computers and stuff they use the same recording styles and methods that were used in the 70s and 80s because they believe it allows them more of a rich traditional sound and even to that extent i mean they do sell their their stuff through mp3s and stuff but they record on vinyl and people can actually purchase the records which very few people do anymore that's really cool peter would you like to give us a little history on daptone records sure kyle Daptone Records is a funk and soul independent record label formed by Gabriel Roth and Neil Sugarman and based in Brooklyn, New York. So, after the demise of the record label uh, Desco, uh, Gabriel Roth teamed up with Neil Sugarman to create a new label called Daptone Records, which is the one we're talking about right now. Soulfire Records was also created out of the ashes of Desco, but uh, that was also disbanded since then. In addition to Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Daptone has also recorded and released music of Antibalis, The Sugarman 3, The Budos Band, The Poets of Rhythm, The Daktaris, The Mighty Imperials, Lee Fields, Charles Bradley, Binky Griptite, and Naomi Davis. Because we don't want our show to be two hours long, we're not going to go into every single artist we just listed, but we want to talk about a few of the big ones. First one that Peter mentioned, and it's probably their biggest um, group as far as fame, is Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. 
they're an American funk and soul band through Daptone. Uh, the, the thing is, the Dap Kings is actually the house band of Daptone Records. So they play with Sharon Jones, but they also play with other bands. And mm. Daptone's is a very interconnected sort of studio where different members of groups play with, they're all kind of like just an amalgamation of each other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings are kind of spearheads of this revivalist movement that aims to capture the real essence of funk and soul music as it was in the mid-60s to mid-70s. And part of the way they do that is, as we were saying before, they shun modern digital recording methods in favor of using traditional analog recording equipment to get that sort of rich traditional 60s, 70s sound, which is really cool. It's hard now to find art, contemporary artists who do this style of music, let alone ones who go back and do like the legitimate, you know, recording styles that were used back then. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. It's it kinda reminds me of how with the movie Black Dynamite, how they wanted to capture the the feel of the seventies black exploitation film, so they they used, used they used like all like the same film types and everything mm-hmm. uh, to make the movie, and it makes it makes it look really authentic. It's really cool. Yeah, I think so. I think doing stuff like that is a lot better than what some artists do, or even some, as you say, uh, filmmakers that try to get that old style look. Is they just recreate it digitally? Mm. They recreate it uh, digitally through post recording. It seems like doing that is just it's nice, but it's just like a kind of wash over and not really getting to the root of what makes 60s and 70s music great. It's like they're just recreating it on a surface level rather than actually going and, you know, suffering through the trials and tribulations of the kind of equipment that they used back then. Yeah. The archaic style of it, I guess, suppose, compared to complete ease of equipment nowadays. I know, I, I agree with you. It's, it's because I think was, I've heard some songs where they try to add in, like, the crackling and yeah. voice of the record, but it sounds really fake and it doesn't really add anything to it. And then with film, sometimes, you know, people will try to go for, like, the old scratchy film yeah. look, but it just looks completely fake, and I don't know. I think it, I think it's hard to do artificially. Exactly. It's, it's hard to produce authentically in an artificial manner yeah. uh, without kind of, A, making it seem cheesy and detracting from the real authenticity and gravitas, I guess, of the original style. It kind of cheapens it, in a sense. I don't know, I think. Mm-hmm. It's just my opinion. But yeah, since we're talking about some of this analog recording style, I wanted to throw you guys um, one of their more famous songs, A Hundred Days, A Hundred Nights. Uh, so you guys can listen to that little clip of that and we can kind of hear how it has that authentic style. So again, that was Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, probably the the more prominent group from Daptone Records. So, and that's also from uh, their 2007 album called 100 Days, 100 Nights. And uh, I've heard that album before. It's pretty good. So definitely worth checking out. Another group we want to talk about from Daptone Records is called the Sugar Man 3. We talked about them a couple episodes ago when we were talking about music from the video game Driver San Francisco. That's right. That's where I heard them. I knew. Yeah, that's another episode. You guys can check out if you feel like it. But uh, the the Sugar Man 3, so they formed in 96, and they are really inspired by like the jazz funk sounds of the 60s. And you really get a really strong feel for that in their style, because they could easily be alongside a lot of the uh, the instrumental uh, like funk bands from the 70s and the, and the uh, late 60s. Now, the original member, Neil Sugarman, also formed the Dap Kings, who we just talked about like a minute ago. 
But he's also played on albums for other artists like Lily Allen, Amy Winehouse, and Al Green. That's pretty impressive. This is funny because, okay, I don't know if there's anything to do with this, but I kind of really hope it does. Okay. When I read the title of the song, Rudy's Intervention, I totally thought of Bill Cosby's song, Rudy, because in the song he talks about Rudy like is like an alcoholic or something. So I was like, I wonder if this is in reference to that. I hope it is, but judging from the lyrics, I don't think it is. I don't know. Mm, could be. That would be amazing if it was. I... I... Kind of doubt it, but because <laughs> I mean, considering that that song of Cosby's is extremely rare, um, but this but is also kind of rare. This is also kind of rare, so maybe. Anyway, so the song is called "Rudy's Intervention." It's from their 2012 album, uh, "What the World Needs Now." Let's listen to a clip of that song. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Okay. Did you know he was in a cop show in the 60s that wasn't a comedy? It was actually a serious show called I Spy. He was like a, de- a detective. I've never, no, really? That's cool. Yeah. It was actually his first TV gig where he played like a major role and he actually like was a legitimate actor in a serious role. It wasn't wow. anything to do with comedy and it was a really popular show in the 60s. And he was basically kind of the first black actor to be in like a primetime TV show of that magnitude that's cool and then from that fame he went on and did the cosby show in the 70s oh he was already famous as a comedian by the time he's famous he was famous as a comedian throughout the 60s but the i spy show was like his first tv gig that's cool yeah i mean just in doing research he was kind of a forefather of black actors in television in general yeah because it was still during the 60s when they were fighting for basic civil rights right that he was on tv was like a huge deal well i know he was always a big uh, activist in that Category, oh, so. Yeah, cool. for for all his problem and kind of bad reputation, he definitely did a lot for civil rights. I, I'm not comparing him to Martin Luther King in any way, but he, in his own small way, he was like the Martin Luther King of TV. You don't you don't hold Martin Luther King and Bill Cosby on the same level. I know, right? I probably should. <laughs> I had a zippity bop doop bop dream, where children of zip bop and doop dop will zippity bop together. And look at us now. 21st century, we are zip zoop and bopping together. Except for when we zoop and forget to zop. That's just inappropriate. We can't talk about <laughs> that on this show. Another group that we want to mention is, that we mentioned at the beginning of the program, is the Dactaris, which I don't know why, I think of like a martini. It seems, it I think like of Daleks a, from Doctor Who. Oh my god, it's like a Dalek martini. The Dactari will exterminate your liver. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. But yeah, the Dactaris are another band, obviously, with Daptone Records. Uh, the name, having nothing to do with either Martinis or Daleks, actually means doctors in Swahili, which is actually kind of ironic because the Daleks are from Doctor Who. So it's a very big stretch there. <laughs> very big. But yeah, Daktari means doctor in Swahili. But they were actually an Afrobeat uh, revivalist group based in Brooklyn. The group, unfortunately, no longer is around today. Uh, some of its members have gone on to be in different groups like Antebellus. Cool. Afrobeat is kind of a, a subgenre that we never really talked about in the show. It's kind of, from what I understand, a combination of funk, soul, and like traditional African music mm-hmm. from like Swahili and Ghana and Ethiopia, from that sort of Eastern East African region, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. It's really, uh, in a way, kind of the most traditionally rooted of all funk and soul because it actually takes direct uh, inspiration from 
from Africa. African tribal music, which even yeah. stuff like funk and whatnot doesn't as much. Yeah. Unless you count Bill Cosby's Rudy. <laughs> That's actually somewhat African. Because remember, yeah, didn't he like try to? He tried to sing the song in a way that like certain African uh, tribes would like tell stories. They tell stories, and so he tells, them. <laughs> tells a story about a boy named Rudy in the, in the projects, but he tells it in the style of like an African tale. Exactly. So semi relevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. So yeah, the Dactories have that sort of Afrobeat sort of sound to them, which, as we said before, is, is kind of unique. And there's a few other bands uh, with this label that have that same style, but it's definitely yeah. a, a genre that we haven't really discussed before and could probably easily make an episode on just by itself, but we're not going to. Not today, at least. We should in the future. That'd be kind of cool. We should just do an episode on just, like, African funk. Straight from Africa, like South Africa, all that stuff. Yeah. Let's give you guys a little taste of the Dactories. This is their song, Music Howie Silt, off their 1998 album, Soul Explosion. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of artists do this Afrobeat genre, but I kind of wish more did because it definitely harkens back to their historical roots more than even some stuff like jazz or blues. Yeah. What's funny, I guess going a little bit off topic, but we probably want to do that, is I read this book called How to Be Black by Baratunde Thurston. It's a series of anecdotes um, throughout his life and just his experiences with being black and being submerged in black culture, but then throughout uh, high school and into college, he went to like a private, very white school to the point that in college he went to Harvard. And he kind of talks about the disconnect between his black ancestry, his black roots, and dealing with like predominantly white culture that really has no concept of what blackness is, Hmm. kind of ignorant to it. And it's just funny because he was kind of joking how the white people saw him as like super black, but then the then black people from Nigeria or just from Africa in general didn't see him as fully black because his name was kind of a bastardization of their language. That's cool. Good book. Totally recommend that all you guys read it, both black and white people and people of all color, because it's just a really funny book. And it's funny to have that book open and have people stare at you because a white guy is reading a book called How to Be Black. <laughs> Pretty funny. Speaking of artists under Daptone Records, we also want to talk about Charles Bradley. Now, he's commonly referred to as the Screaming Eagle of Soul, and he's a funk soul R&B singer signed to Daptone Records under the division Dunham Records. Daptone isn't even that big, right? No, not terribly. So, it's funny that they have a separate division within... Yeah, basically different artists, because Daptone is completely artist-run. There's no, like producers or accountants or whatever mm. of sorts that it's all kind of done by the artists themselves so then they go off and also kind of form their own mini record labels either just for their personal band by themselves or mm. you know for friends or whatever but because of their very analog style of doing things they can you know basically have recording equipment in their house and call it a record label yeah i, I guess i don't get why you would want to I don't know. <laughs> Give it a different division name. I mean, it sounds fancier. I have, yeah, I, like I said, I don't know why they do it. Maybe just to have, like help friends record, or just so they can have their own personal label. Mm. Don't know. That's right? cool. So they can 
maybe, I don't know, maybe Daptone takes a certain percentage of each artist's earnings, so they go off and make their own so they can get 100%. I don't know. Well, that's cool. So, Charles Bradley, uh, his performances and recording style are consistent with, with the Daptone's revivalist approach, and he celebrates uh, kind of like the feel and the funk uh, of soul music in the 60s and 70s. Um, and one review that we found stated that Bradley echoes the evocative delivery of Otis Redding. And I would definitely say that's that's true. He's got that screamy Otis Redding sound. On the topic of Otis Redding, that completely reminds me. I had an idea for an episode, but I wasn't sure how if it would work. It would be songs, the last songs the Funk or Soul artist wrote before their death. That would be really kind of depressing, but also kind of cool. Cause, well, because I, I was listening to Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Redding, and I remembered that, didn't he write and perform that song like three days before he died? Something like that. And that's his, like, his most famous song. Yeah. So like it might be interesting to kind of talk about like the last songs that people did before they died. That would be kind of A cool. lot of them did die in some cases untimely so it um, might be interesting to talk about that i don't know yeah well that's something to look i'm not gonna say look forward to (laughs) (laughs) yay death that's a thing that will happen in the future possibly yeah charles bradley getting back on topic um he's actually also the the subject of the documentary soul of america that was premiered at the south by southwest film and music festival in 2012 yeah it kind of just it it follows him and talks about the trials and tribulations of soul right currently in America and also goes back through its roots. It's I haven't watched it, but I watched like a little trailer for it and it seems pretty interesting. I kinda wanna see where I can snag it or something. Mm. I don't know if it's something that's gonna have any sort of wider release, but it seems pretty cool. If you can, go check out Soul of America, starring Charles Bradley. The the song we're gonna play a little sample of to get a feel for his style, um, is called Why Is It So Hard? Um, that's off his 2011 album, No Time for Dreaming. I also want to mention that he has a second album coming this coming April, so a couple months from now. He has a second album coming out. It's called Victim of Love, so that's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, we can listen to a little clip of his song, Why Is It So Hard? Listen for the uh, the influence and the, the same kind of style that we were talking about with Otis Redding and everything. I think you'll pick up on that. Go look that song up on YouTube because there's a few different clips of him singing it live too, and you can even more so get the influence of Otis Redding if you've seen any clips of him live. They sing in the very in a very similar manner and in a creepy way. They kind of look similar. Hmm. Maybe Charles Bradley is like his futuristic doppelganger, a reincarnation, I guess would be a better term. But yeah, Charles Bradley, good guy, uh, good music. Um, another group we want to talk about off the Daptone label is Antibellus. Similar to the Daktaris, they're also kind of an Afrobeat-based group that formed in 1998. They're kind of modeled after Felicuti's Africa 70 band and Eddie Palmieri's Harlem River Drive Orchestra. So yeah, although their music kind of generally follows the musical architecture and language of Afrobeat, and more so than the Daktaris, it incorporates more elements of jazz, funk, and even dub, and traditional drumming from Cuba and West Africa. Interesting. They just recently played on Jimmy Kimmel Live uh, on his January 30th episode. So if you guys have Hulu or YouTube, go and check them out on his show, because that's a pretty big gig for them. It's a national show. Getting some widespread exposure there. That's cool. Exactly. And Jimmy Kimmel's a funny guy, so kind of. But kinda... does, he, does he have the phone? No, he does not. He is a white man. 
Yeah, I was listening to the song Dirty Money. Yeah. And uh, without even like knowing their background or anything, I immediately picked up on the Afrobeat thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's pretty obvious. But um, cause, so you said that some of the Daktaris, what we were talking about earlier, actually yeah. came to this band too. Yeah, they did, uh, and that may be where the influence came from because the Daktaris split up, but then a couple of their members went and formed uh, Antibalis. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. After the demise of the Daktaris, they went. A couple of them made this band, so that could even be where that influence came from. It's from the previous Daktari members. But either way, it sounds pretty cool. Let's play a little clip of Dirty Money by Antibalis. Dirty money, not the food. Oh, yeah. I heard somewhere, like, 92% of all U.S. currency has traces of cocaine on it. Yeah. I don't know how true that is, but, I mean, if if you're, like, measuring down to, like, microscopic amounts, then maybe. But I'm sure that could be also said for, like, fecal matter. Yeah, there's probably more fecal matter on your money than cocaine. Yeah. So don't snort money, because you're not snorting cocaine. You're snorting dirty money. You want to talk about the Budos? Yeah. Finishing off some peanuts here. And they are very crunchy, Kyle, as you would say. I have been eating unsalted cashews because someone told me that they're a very good healthy snack they are. that are packed with protein. And I like cashews, probably more than peanuts, actually. I mean, I like peanuts, but I think peanuts are a little more fatty. Yeah, well, I'm eating honey roasted peanuts, which are like the worst ones for you. Oh. But they're really those, addicting. They're really addicting because they're remember like... Those, okay, remember those pops that were like crunchy peanut like things? You know what I'm talking about? No, keep going. I don't know. I was like... These crunchy, like, coated peanut things that were tasty and they, like, had different flavors, like honey roasted. And I think there was one that was actually, like, honey mustard. Hmm. Do you want to eat some honey mustard peanuts, Peter? Yeah, no, that should be good. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't know if they make them anymore. I just remember eating them in high school. What were they called? Pops? I don't know. Like, Pops or Pop Crunch or... Just type in, like, Pops Peanuts. I am right now. Yeah, that's not coming up with anything. Oh, what the heck? What? That is nuts. Okay. Because <laughs> peanuts. Oh. Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> I typed in Pops Peanuts on a Google Images, and the first image that comes up is someone made layered peanut butter brittle ice cream pops. So it's like peanut butter cups and peanut brittle and a frozen pop. Oh, my God. And it looks amazing. Oh, my God. I know we don't usually talk about food on this show, but I guess that's We talked just... about food twice. <laughs> This is, oh, yeah, that's true. We have, is, we have done it in a while. I also, did I tell you about the idea I had for a cake? You make pancakes, and then you layer them with frosting in between them, and then you frost the whole thing, and it's a, it's a pancake cake. I'm pretty sure you would just instantly die of diabetes. Well, because pancakes, like, when once they're done, that's kind of like the same thing as, as cake. It's not, it's more dense, but... It's like a cake, but, like, with the density of, like, a dying star. <laughs> It's like eating that, five cakes and a cake. Well, then you just make it kind of small then, I guess. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't have to be huge. Like those little, like, tiny pancakes or something. Yeah. Now, would it be frosted with, like, maple-flavored frosting? Because that would be flipping dope. I don't know, actually. I think you should get on this. You should become the next Paula Dean. So our next band that we want to <laughs> talk about from Daptone Records is called the Budos Bands, and they have ten members... And sometimes they have even up to 13 members, so that's a pretty big band. Similar to 
the Sugarman 3, they're an instrumental band. They describe themselves as Afro Soul. Their baritone saxophone player, Jared Tankle, said in a 2007 interview that it's it's a term and a sound which is drawn from Ethiopian music. The band had been listening to that a lot and noticed that it had a soul undercurrent to it, so they sprinkled a bit of this sweet 60s stuff on top of it, as, as he said in the interview. So it's kind of a mix of Ethiopian music and soul, so... Uh, it's it's a cool sound. I really like it. I dig it. The Buddhist band actually recently played with Charles Bradley and other Daptone members at the Sydney Festival in Australia. Yeah, that was a big soul festival that they had last this last November. We missed out on it, unfortunately, but it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, I'm not going to pay to fly to Australia for a festival. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think the, the plane flight would be far more than even the tickets. Anyway, I'm eating peanuts again. Peter, I have it. Funk nuggets that have a breading that has peanut butter in it. So, the Buddhist band. <laughs> that doesn't even sound good at all. Like, maybe if they if they fried it in peanut oil. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there you go. I like that better. Like, uh, like Five Guys. Yeah, oh my god. There you go. I'm salivating just at the thought of that. At the thought of Five Guys or of... Chicken both, nuggets. Both Five Guys and peanut oil fried chicken nuggets. We should get on this. I think I read a statistic somewhere saying that world hunger is the like worst it's been in about 30 to 35 years. Are you kidding me? That's terrible. Yeah. I, I also read somewhere, I don't know if this is true or not, it's another statistic, that the Western world throws away enough food to like feed the starving part of the world like four times over. That's really depressing. Right? Wow. Well, it's, you know, okay, so, I mean, getting on this topic a little bit, I used to work long, long time ago, I used to work at a grocery store, and I worked in, for a time, in their deli department, you know, the place that, like, gives you all the lunch meats and cheeses and stuff, and... I love cheeses. And they would also have, like, you know, potato salad and, like, actual dinner items and stuff, and at the end of the day, uh, anything that, like, couldn't be kept for the following day, we would just throw away, and we threw away so much food, I just felt like... This is absolutely ridiculous. Like, why can't they? Are you talking about meat and meat and stuff? Not, not even so much meat. Stuff that like could be kept. Like, mm. you know, if you kept it refrigerated, it would stay for a while. Like potato salad and like. Were you guys allowed to take that home? No, I think it was like um, FDA guidelines or something. Like, you know, stuff had a certain shelf life, and once it was, you know, once you had served it for that day, you had to throw it away. You couldn't take it home. You couldn't give it to a homeless shelter. So, in in some yeah, you ways, you even the, eat it yourself. Well, um, I did kind of sometimes eat the food that was left over at the well, end. Well, you might as well. It's a, <laughs> there's no reason to throw it away if you can eat it. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, I just felt awful. Like, there's, like, garbage bags we would have full of food. Wow. that I'm just like, why is this not going to someone who needs it and just getting tossed in the trash because stupid Americans make too much food that they don't, and they don't eat enough? Well, they do eat enough because they're all... <laughs> you know, I actually tried to make potato salad once about a year ago maybe did it turn out well it was okay it wasn't terrific i've i've had really good potato salad and it wasn't that but now, it was it was decent. Are, are you more fond of the white potato salad that uses mayonnaise or the one that uses mustard the yellow kind i like them both i like the dill potato salad with the mayonnaise because you have those like little dill greens in them mm-hmm. but i like the mustard version because oftentimes it has bits of bacon in it which is just amazing oh yeah although i will say i i can see now why Potato salad is so expensive, pre-made. Cause that it's, expensive. 
relatively well. Not to gross anybody out, but the potato salad we would serve in the deli came from like this giant, like came in these giant milk-sized cartons, pre-made from factories. They were not assembled by us in any way. I'll just say it's not cheap, but I can see now why. It's just because it's such a pain in the butt to make. Yeah. Like so, it's probably more worth it just to to go buy it. Oh, another recommendation: Do not ever get chicken salad from grocery stores because it's made from the leftover chicken from like a day or a couple days prior really? that people did not buy and has dried out. So you guys actually did make the chicken salad? We did make the chicken salad. We just took the chicken that people didn't buy and would just shred it and add stuff to it. So, yeah, it was kind of sort of pre-made, but it was not made with fresh chicken in any way. That's delicious. Yeah. So, oh, I guess, okay, so we haven't played a song by the Budos Band yet. No, we just talked about a lot of food. So with the Budos Band, they have a 2007 album called the Budos Band 2. I presume that that is their second album. No, it's it's like Leonard Part 6 from Cosby. It's their first. So a song off that album that we want to play is called Chicago Falcon. Like we were saying before, it has kind of a mix of Ethiopian and 60s soul sound. Kind of a unique thing. We hope you enjoy it. Let's take a listen. discuss off of Daptone is the Manahan Street Band. That kind of rhymes. Kind of. If it was like Manahan, but that just sounds weird. That Man- sounds like Man- Manahan. Manahan's Street Bands. Oh, remember the Seinfeld episode where Jerry dates the woman with Manahan's? Yeah. And then she's like cracking the lobster with her bare hands and he's like terrified. I love that episode. Uh, good show. I miss Seinfeld. Even though it's in syndication still. Yeah, whatever. They did this massive poll of like people and they were trying to come up with, like, the most beloved TV show. Mm. And Seinfeld just barely beat out The Honeymooners as the best sitcom oh, really? all time. Yeah, those are both, like, really considered Huge. some of the best ever, so. Yeah. So I Seinfeld, Seinfeld beat it out? Yep. That's cool. Number one. I'm curious where, like, stuff like The Simpsons fell in. Cause yeah. At least in it's the probably 90s, pretty up there. Huge. So, yeah, back on topic a bit. So, the Manhattan Street Band, they are kind of a more of a loose-knit group consisting of members of different bands from Daptones, including the Dap Kings, Ant- Antibalas, and the Budos Band. So, they're kind of a super group, I guess, in, in, a, in a sense. Mm. And it's funny because uh, famous rapper Jay-Z actually sampled their famous album's title track, Make the Road by Walking, on his song, Rock Boys. Their producer, Thomas Brennick, actually invested the royalties from that song in opening the all-analog studio Dunham Records, which you mentioned before. Oh, okay. So I guess that's where that came from. Well, that's cool that the royalties from one song allowed him to open up a record label. It, yeah, cool. it just shows how ridiculous, like, if you can get, like, your song sampled and something like that, you just, like, make all the monies. Similar to Daptown Dunham Records, their, I guess, child, I don't know what you call it, like, the child studio of Daptown also has that same analog studio sound. So the Manhattan Street Band has a 2008 album called make the road by walking and we wanted to play a song off of it called lights out which ironically is also the name of my animated thesis that i did in college was your short film inspired by this song Kyle? um i don't know it'd be cool if we could have played the song in like the credits or something even though it would have had absolutely nothing to do with anything because it was a sci-fi and think about the royalties that they would have gotten from you putting it in your movie they could have opened up another record label because <laughs> we'd have to pay them all the money's or maybe um, they would pay you all the monies so that 
it would get more exposure. And then you could open up a record label called Funk Records. We could open up a restaurant called Peter and Kyle's Funk Nuggets. <laughs> That's true. This is the Manahan Street Band with their song Lights Out off their 2008 album, Make the Road by Walking. Street band. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We went through quite a few bands that are on the Daptone Records label. I encourage you guys to go and check out their website, and it also leads to different artists' websites where you can go and purchase their music, either on vinyl or through a digital format. Yeah, it was cool that we got to talk about a little bit of a contemporary sort of indie label because it helps show how Funk and Soul is still around and kind of going strong mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a sense. And it also kind of follows up our discussion of last time of how it's become a lot more common that artists are starting to be able to release their music independently without having to be under um, big record labels that take all their money exactly. and everything. You know, I think that the trade-off is probably the the exposure and like the widespread distribution, I guess. Yeah. With, with all the, the tools we have now, with the internet and everything, I mean, it basically does itself to some extent. Yeah. It, it's cool to see that, that shift. So yes, thanks for listening to Funk Radio. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk and also on iTunes under Funk Radio. You can subscribe to us. Give us ratings and comments because we love you and it helps us get more exposure through iTunes. That's true. And also on Facebook, if you want to just comment on our episode post, say, hey, that was awesome or hey, that sucked so that we know whether we're doing a good job. Yeah. Enjoy the Super Bowl or you will have already enjoyed the Super Bowl by the time you hear this. But... Enjoy our episode, which you already would have heard by the time I say that, because this is the end of the show. This has been your host, Kyle. <laughs> and this has been your host, Peter. Bye. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.